0: Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman here with you on a post Christmas edition of the Daily Hammer, one of the last ones that we do for the 2023 uh, calendar year, and I'm thrilled once again to welcome you know someone that I do frequent podcasts with and enjoy them every single time I get to do it with him. His name is Stephen Tolbert. Stephen, happy holidays to you. Late Merry Christmas, early Happy New Year, but hope you're well and, and good to talk with you again and talk some Braves baseball.
1: Sean, how are you, my friend? Yeah, man, it's been, it's been a minute since we've done one of these. Obviously, everybody took a little bit of a break over the holidays, and the Braves have been the Braves have kind of taken the break themselves. We haven't had much news. But, yeah, we're kind of getting outside of Christmas now. We're getting back to maybe a little bit more of a normal schedule. And it's obviously time to talk some Braves baseball again. So it's uh, it's always fun to do do these with you, man.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And, of course, you can find Stephen Tol- Tolbert at D underscore outliers. The main reason, besides just being an all-around good guy, main Reason I love talking with Steven is just some of the best insight when it comes to covering the Braves out there. I'm on Twitter, X, wherever you call it. I'm, I'm uh, Stats SAC on Twitter as well. You can find Steven on the podcast to be named later with Chris Willis, myself on the Daily Hammer, the, the Battery Power podcast, all at batterypower.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Steven, you know, before we get into Braves baseball, I've not directly asked you, you know, it was something that I think we both have discussed on X as well as on our podcast. But the Los Angeles Dodgers now, you know, obviously consistently being viewed in the National League as being the primary, you know, long-term 1B, it seemed to me, to the Braves 1A. But some may be saying the Dodgers are the 1A now. Having signed Shohei Otani, I I believe I want to say his name right, Yashinobu Yamamoto, the the, the top starting pitcher in the minds of many, that's two huge, significant long-term free agent signings by the Dodgers. So Steven, I'll ask you directly, where does that put the Dodgers in you know in comparison to the Braves in terms of the long-term supremacy when it comes to the National League teams with the best shot at winning the World Series year in and year out.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. It's it's definitely Braves Dodgers in some order, right? Like it's either Dodgers Braves or Braves Dodgers. They are the top two teams. But you know, this is nothing new. If you've been around baseball the last basically five years, six years, this has been how it's been. I mean, the Braves and Dodgers have been the best two teams of baseball for a long time now. So, you know, it's nothing new. The Dodgers, you know, really the Dodgers needed to do a lot to add to that roster. Their pitching staff was in shambles after last year. You know, Kershaw's not getting any younger. He's still a free agent. Uh, Walker Bueller had the, the arm injury. They've had a lot of young guys get hurt. You know, they just – they they needed a lot in the rotation. And so, obviously, they, they signed Yamamoto to that massive deal. They traded for Tyler Glass now and then extended him. And, obviously, they added uh, Shohei. But, you know, if I had to give you my pick right now, I'd say the Braves are probably still better. The fact that Shohei is not going to pitch next year I think matters a lot. He's essentially just a DH. And even the best DHs in the world, you know, you're talking about probably a, a four-win player. Um, you know, if he's not pitching, he can't be the, the eight or nine win player that we're used to. So the impact for next year is pretty minimal. Well, not minimal. It's still a big deal that they have Shohei, but it's not as big as it will be once he starts pitching again. And then Glass now is a big question mark just because the injury stuff. And then Yamamoto has never thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball before. So um, they, they certainly added talent. They, they still have quite a few questions. I'm not convinced that they're quite as good as everybody else is. I, I need to see Yamamoto pitch. I need I need to see Glass now make more than 15 starts in a season, which he's never done before. Um, and obviously, you know, with Shohei not pitching, you know, how how deep is that rotation? So, if you gave me roster for roster, I would still take the Braves, especially at the Braves' cost and the Braves' you know certainty into the future is is certainly a lot better than the Dodgers. But yeah, they're, they're they're the two best teams in baseball, and you know, the names are different, but that's a, that shouldn't surprise anybody too much.
0: Absolutely. And and I agree with you now. If you if you're looking at Shohei Otani being a DH, listen, he's a more quality offensive player than a Marcelo Zuna. But even if you look at the Dodgers last year, I think that they had a what 950 OPS, 39 homers over 100 RBIs out of their DH position. Not trying to downplay the impact of Shohei Otani. The Dodgers are definitely better, but I do agree with you. It's not as if they're clearly head and shoulders above the Braves. I, I think the Braves are a bit better right there with the Dodgers. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But Another byproduct of all this, of the Dodgers um, getting Yamamoto, trading for Tyler Glass now, is that there was another pitcher that they were in the news to potentially be going after. And it's one that many in Braves country have kind of pinpointed as the top target for the Braves with us awaiting, you know, seeing if they'll make their significant pitching addition that we're all hoping they do. And that's White Sox ace Dylan Cease. Now, some news since we last talked that has occurred is obviously the Dodgers likely not being in the running for Cease anymore since they've added the pitching that they have. You know, who knows? They may still be after Cease. But the other bigger news to me, um, uh, Stephen, is the fact that we got some information in, in talks that happened earlier this offseason between the White Sox and the Reds, in which the basically the White Sox were asking for, I think, three or four of the Reds' top six or seven prospects. In other words, the equivalent of what the White Sox would likely ask the Braves for is not only Von Grissom and then A.J. smith Shaver or Hurston Waldrop, it would be both of them. And that seems to be where the White Sox are in terms of their asking price, even to the point that this may have been the team Alex Anthopoulos was talking about right before the winter meetings where the Braves thought they may have had a deal in place but the asking price was just not there. When it comes to Dylan Cease, I know that many in Braves country really want to add him to our roster, but right now it seems like that asking price is just at an uncomfortable level that nobody really wants to meet across all of baseball. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a super interesting
1: situation. I I love this kind of stuff, but, you know, there's a couple of things that jump out and i think we all kind of read that the same day it came out i think it came out last week that the the reds uh, a couple of reporters for the reds got some some inside information about what was being asked and there was a couple of things that jumped out to me immediately one is that this is a team that's in the national league which means it's probably pretty comparable to what the package they're asking for from everybody you know if this was if this was the indians or you know the twins if this was a team in their division or in their league. You know, you could see the asking price being maybe higher than it would be for maybe a national league team, but because this report came and it was about the Reds who of course are in the national league, that means it's probably pretty comparable to what they're asking for everyone. Now, the other point that that jumps to mind is just because that's what they're asking doesn't mean that's what they're going to get, obviously. That's, you know, it's it makes sense to ask high when pitching has been so incredibly expensive, right? It's a really, really tough time to be looking for pitching, even though there's a lot of pitching out there, or at least there was when the offseason started, it's still very expensive. And, you know, if you're the White Sox and you're obviously entering a rebuild, you're trying to maximize value. And Cease's value is probably never going to be higher than it is this winter. The flip side of that, though, is, you know, the White Sox don't have to trade Cease this winter. And that's... That's where it gets tricky, is because technically speaking, they could wait till the trade deadline. And when there's not a reason for a team to have to trade a guy, you know, like with the Rays and Tyler Glass. Now, the Rays just couldn't couldn't afford to start the season with Tyler Glass now on their roster. He's he's making too much money. He's making like twenty five million dollars next year, and the Rays could not have that on their payroll. They they're you know they're the Rays, and so they had to trade it. And so there was a there was a clear impetus for the 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 raise to move glass now this winter um the white Sox don't really have that there's no reason uh dylan Cease makes very little money next year um you know the white Sox have plenty of payroll space to hold him he's got two years of team control left which means they can still trade him at the deadline and the team trading him is still not getting a rental they're technically getting you know a year and a half of a guy so that means the offers would still be really good um there's just nothing pushing Chicago to force them to move him, you know, like, like there would be, if this was his last year of team control or if there was a payroll issue, you know, that stuff just doesn't exist. And so, you know, even if you wait Chicago out, there's nothing that's going to force them to bring their trade demands down. Right. There's nothing to push the price down. There's no, there's no, you know, equal, but opposite force on the other side, you know, helping you. So that's where it gets interesting to me. I don't know. You know, I love Dylan Cease, if I'm being honest. Like, in terms of the fit, he makes a ton of sense for the Braves. He is Mr. Durability. I mean, he has missed, like, two starts in his career ever. Um, You know, and we know the one guy we know the Braves went after in free agency this offseason is Aaron Nola. And what is Aaron Nola but Mr. Dependability? I mean, that's what he is. You know, that's kind of his calling card is he never misses a start. Well, that's Dylan Cease. He he never misses a start. And so I, I do think the Braves are interested. Um, and I think that's why they're interested. But like you said, at that price, you're talking about I mean, you're talking about Grissom, you're talking about Smith chauver you're talking about waldrip I mean, that's brutal. That's that's a that's a really tough sell to make when you talk about two years of team control. You're talking about a Boris client who might not sign an extension. I mean, that's brutal. Um, and as much as I like the fit in terms of the durability, and I think the Braves really do care about durability you know, you can't talk about value without talking about cost. And, and and right now it just seems like the cost is insanely high. And so, I, you know, that
0: just might be the thing that, that ends up killing the deal. Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about the fact that, you know, Dylan Cease not only has those multiple years of control, but he also, like you said, is the durability. Nobody over the past three years, when Dylan Cease really came on as a starting pitcher. I, I don't think anybody has come out of the pandemic as as much of a breakout or you know, heightened their level of, of quality pitching as much as Dylan Cease. And yes, his 2002 season was significantly higher than 2021 or 2023. But durability, he's made more starts, 97 starts, than anyone in baseball over the past three years. Strikeout potential, 667 strikeouts, the fourth most in baseball. His his strikeouts per nine innings, they're not at Spencer Strider level, but they're right up there. I mean, if you want to talk about a comparable... He doesn't strike out as many people, and he's and he's probably not as consistently good. But Dylan Cease, in a lot of metrics, is right there with the Garrett Cole, who, who arguably is you know year in year out considered to be possibly the best pitcher in the American League. The point that I'm getting at is is that you're getting one of the probably top ten to fifteen guys in baseball who right now, in terms of durability, strikeout potential, consistency are considered an ace. You're getting him for two years of control, so I'm right there with you. And and, and as much as I say all that, that Dylan Cease is, is, you know, an awesome get, I do agree. It just, it would be out of character for Alex Anthopoulos as much as he has, you know, been um, reluctant to pay the prospect price to get guys. Him trading away Vaughn Grissom as well as um, A.G. smith Shaver and... Um, uh Hurston Waldrup, it just it it just doesn't seem like it, it would make sense. But at the very least, you see why he's the target for the Braves. But Stephen when you really look at Dylan Cease, you know, a lot of people talk about the Braves being a place where they can get the most out of guys. And again, we've seen Cease be very good. Into the past three years, to the point of he was elite, second in the AL Young in the 2022, when you look at Dylan Cease coming out of Chicago and coming into Atlanta, do you see him as someone that would be closer to his 2002 form more consistently, or would it be kind of a mix settling in between where he was in 2022 and 2023? Any stats that stand out to you that would define his performance if he were to get out of Chicago?
1: Yeah I mean the Braves I mean the Braves have kind of famously at this point really they care a lot about strikeouts they try to really limit walks and that's kind of they been their calling card especially with relievers they're, they're you know they they love Ks and, and despise walks and so that's kind of where they live in terms of when they get pitchers in um trying to you know trying to improve both of those and and cease like you said has high strikeout potential I mean he has had you know, uh twelve strikeouts per nine, 11 strikeouts per nine, ten strikeouts per nine. I mean, he's had double digit strikeouts per nine, uh in all in the you know, all three of the last three years. And, uh, you know, that it's hard to find. I mean, especially in today's game, it's 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 hard to find. And you know, when you're talking about a guy that young, I think he's twenty seven, I think. I think next year will be his age, twenty eight year. Um, you know, there's still potential in there. I mean, and he throws hard, like you said. Um there's just a like. there's a lot to like. On the field, Dylan Cease makes a lot of sense for the Braves. I mean, in a lot of different ways. He's from Georgia. You know, he's one of those guys that probably grew up a Braves fan. Um, obviously, the, you know, the Braves have had success with that. If the Braves felt like they could get him to sign an extension, I think you could probably justify the cost a little bit more. But that's kind of the double whammy is that not only is it going to cost a ton in prospects, but he's a he's a Boris client. So you there's just no guarantee that he's going to sign an extension. And it's probably close to a guarantee that he won't. Um, and so it's two years. It's two years of team control. And, you know, that two years will go by super quick. And if you're giving up a haul of prospects, you know, the Braves gave up prospects to, to you know, trade for Matt Olson. They gave up prospects to trade for Sean Murphy. But They signed both of those guys to an extension immediately. And so they could justify the cost. You know, the Braves gave up William Petraeus to get Sean Murphy, but they immediately signed him to an extension. And so, you know, that's the MO. Alex will give up talent to get talent, but he's going to – he needs he needs to be assured that he's going to get multiple years of control, not just two, but, you know, five, six, whatever it is. So, yeah, on the field, like just on the stat side of it, it's a perfect fit. I mean, Cease makes a ton of sense in the world it's just the off the field stuff. It's the contract, it's the years, it's the agent, the extension probability, you know, it's, it's a, it matches everything except those things. And those things are unfortunately critical. And when you're talking about the prospect cost that, that ceases, you know, apparently going to demand, you know, that's where it gets tricky and that's where you probably see the deal is not going to happen. Now, obviously the, the White Sox could lower their demand, um I do think the White Sox should trade cease this offseason I think th- I think his value will never be higher than it is right now um so we'll see if that's you know if that ends up being a factor for them but you know with two years of team control they can't wait till you know the the trade deadline and and push their luck obviously there's injury risk when you do that but you know if, if everything works out and Cease is a guy you can usually bet on in terms of durability like we were just talking about then you know that's a that's a gamble you can probably take so but yeah, on the field, Cease makes a ton of sense. It's just the contract only having two years, the prospect cost, having Boris as an agent, which really limits the chances of an extension. That stuff is what really hurts the chances of a deal, and, and probably will end up being the reason why it doesn't happen.
0: And and to your point, that's the thing that kind of looms large over uh, pivot options for the Braves, which will be, you know, my next question. You know, we we talked about this same subject, I believe, probably three weeks ago, Stephen, but. Scott Boris really looms large because he l- represents, I think, the three you know best pitchers that I feel are still out there in terms of making sense for the Braves as being kind of a you know top tier starter this year, but sliding into that number two spot after Spencer Strider, Jordan Montgomery on the free agent market, Dylan C. Corbin Burns. On the trade market, you know, you've got guys in Burns and, and Dylan Cease who have been former, you know, Cy Young winners, near Cy Young winners, Jordan Montgomery, has shown good regular season, postseason numbers, but all those guys are represented by boards. So, so you're not going to, you know, get discount opportunities on an extension, or especially with Montgomery in free agency. You know, other trade candidates that are out there, Shane Bieber's out there, but you got to be really concerned about his injury history if we haven't extended Max Freed. I, I just don't see us, you know, paying a lot to get Bieber and then extend him, Maybe the Seattle Mariners pitching depth with, with Bryce Miller and others, they could be intriguing. You know, I talked about Freddie Peralta from the Milwaukee Brewers. I know that you've mentioned Marcus Stroman, who has a connection with the Anthopolis in the past. I just list all these options because Dylan Cease, to your point, may just be too rich for the Braves' blood, and it's perfectly understandable why they wouldn't want to pay it. But is there any other pivot point that makes sense, or are we starting to kind of get into the territory where it does kind of seem, you know, the Braves may just go into spring training and into the season without making this addition just because they couldn't find the value they liked. Well, I mean, technic- I mean, technically speaking,
1: right, especially if they if they're serious about Ronaldo Lopez being a starter next year. Technically, if they're speaking, they have I mean, we're you know, we're talking about next year, they have Max Fried, they have Spencer Strider, they have Charlie Morton, they have Ronaldo Lopez, and they have Bryce Elder. So, you know, that is five depending on how serious you think they are about Ronaldo Lopez. And then right you have up. all the young – then you have all the young guys. Then you have, you know, uh, uh, Waldrop and you have Smith-Schauver and, you know, Darius Vines, Alan Winans, you know, all those guys that can be depth pieces. So, you know, if we're being – if we're being technical about it, they don't have to sign another starter. Now, if you've listened to me or – Sean or Chris or probably anybody other anybody else on this podcast network, I think we all pretty unanimously agree the Braves should sign another starter. And I, I've made this case multiple times. I guess I'll make it again. But, you know, Charlie Morton's 40 years old. Uh, Max Freed missed half of last year with an elbow issue that still technically hasn't been resolved. It's still lingering out there. And also you have Max Freed's lingering free agency that's also out there. Uh, Ronaldo Lopez hasn't been a starter in three years. Bryce Elder had the terrible second half. Like, even though you have five guys, you have a ton of questions in those five guys. And, you know, uh, it would be, I think, in, in at least in my opinion, foolish to count on those five guys to be a consistent five for you all year. And very likely you're going to lose multiple of those guys throughout the year, either through injury or ineffectiveness, when it comes to Lopez and and, and Elder. So, yeah. Yeah. I would definitely go get a guy to answer your specific question about where they go. You know, the, the Scott Boris thing is not as big a deal to me when talking about free agency, because most free agents are going to look for top dollar, whether, whether they're a Boris client or not. Right. I mean, it's, you're going to have to be the, the highest bidder or close to the highest bidder or just about any free agent, regardless of who their agent is. Uh, you know, when you're talking about a Boris client for a trade, that's a little bit different or it's a lot different actually because you're trying to work out an extension and, and those guys and Bors guys just very rarely do that. So I think the board stuff matters more with trades than it does free agents. Um, so yeah, Jordan Montgomery is the guy I would love to see them go get just because I think he's the probably the best pitcher out there. He's another extremely durable guy. Um, I think that's what this this rotation needs with all these question marks uh, but yeah, like you said, you, you know, there's there's lesser guys. Stroman is another guy, like you said. That um, I think he was drafted by Andropoulos. I think Andropoulos was in charge of the Blue Jays when he was drafted. So obviously they have a history. There's some there's some lesser guys still in the market. It was actually a pretty deep market in terms of um, in terms of depth. You know, in terms of the free agent uh, starters, there wasn't a a, a ton of high end guys. Uh, depending on how you think of Blake Snell, I, I don't see the Braves getting involved in that at all. So yeah, I would say I would love to see them get Jordan Montgomery. I don't think they will. They're they're gonna have to be the highest bidder. And you know, it's a very tough thing to do on when when, t- when you're talking about starting pitching. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they go. There's obviously trade, you know, idea, like you said, uh Shane Bieber, Corbin Burns is still out there, although he's a rental. Uh, you know, it, there's a lot of guys out there, but there's actually not a lot of guys out there that fit all the needs the Braves have when they're you know, when you're looking for one guy specifically. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And and of course the the lingering question is with Max Fried's free agency coming after this year, a high likelihood that Charlie Morton's going to retire after this year. You know, they traded away Cal Wright, they traded away Soroka. You know, it, you can go get a rental if you want to or a one-year guy, but then you got three maybe four rotation spots you got to solve next year and that's brutal. That's a, an absolutely brutal spot to be in and that that can really cost you uh, in terms of all of your resources, not not just money, but prospects too. So I, it's going to be fascinating how they handle this rotation over the next 12 months because there's questions now, but there's even more questions coming.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
0: Absolutely, and 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 that definitely is the case. But speaking of questions, uh, something that I haven't done with you in a while, Stephen, but but kind of going to put you on the spot with some some quick hitting questions. But please elaborate as as much as you'd like. Of course, the other factor in all of this is the fact that the Braves, you know, have Von Grissom out there who is, you know, at this point proven. You know, he he's he's taken care. He he should be graduating from AAA. Doesn't really have a position now in Atlanta. We could talk about left field all we want to. I think there were some rumors from, you know, some, you know, observant uh, members of Braves country who were saying in the uh, winter league he was playing, and he was uh, mainly playing third base. But if you don't use him to go get a, a, a significant starting addition, does it make sense to still keep him? Do you see maybe if you can find a swap out there where you can find a pitcher that you might like from another organization? They need hitting, but you get an intriguing pitcher you can control for a while. Where do you kind of stand on Vaughn Grissom with all that's um, developed here this offseason so far?
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I, w- if I was in charge, that's what I would be looking for. You know, if I can't use Grissom, you know, the, the in a, an ideal world, you could use Grissom as the centerpiece to go get a guy like Dylan Cease, right? Like that would be, if you could just make up the world and make up all the rules, that would be the best, right? You can use him to go get an established guy as the centerpiece of a trade. In my opinion, the next best option is to go to a team like Detroit or Seattle, a team that has some young pitching, maybe some less proven pitching, and maybe do like a one-for-one one swap where you're just, you know, Vaughn still hasn't proved himself at the major league level. Maybe go get a pitcher that's, you know, only got a year of service time or maybe even less than that, that's unproven but has a lot of potential and, and you know, swap up potential for potential trade. And, you know, it's obviously not going to be as good as go, going to getting a, an established guy like Cease, but it is a way to go get a guy that's got probably five or six years of service time, which, matters a whole lot for the Braves as we just laid out. So, yeah, I agree completely. If, if I was in charge, that's what I would do. I think using Grissom as the, you know, right-handed side of a platoon or whatever they've been talking about is a waste of his value. I think he's got more value in other organizations. And if I can't use him to, as a centerpiece of a trade to, to get an established guy, my next, you know, the next thing I'm doing on my list is I'm calling around teams, seeing if I can get, you know, go find a guy somewhere around – baseball that you like in terms of potential and see if you can just do a potential for a potential swap, you know, maybe a one for one and get a guy that's got several years of team control.
0: Now this phrase to, and I agree with you hundred percent on Mon Grayson now, if we look at needs that if we looked at, you know, boxes left unchecked so far this offseason, obviously the starter is there. But to your point, we do have, you know, a sensible starting rotation. You know, I think we're still ranked, you know, as potentially being projected as a top three, even top, you know, top five, top three rotation in baseball going into next year. But one underlying need that I think that's out there still for this team is a right-handed hitting outfielder, one that could potentially play center and left. I know we had Kevin Pillar in that form last year, but maybe someone with a little bit of offensive upside, you know, to back up Michael uh, Harris as well as maybe be a platoon partner with Jared Kelnick. Adam Duvall's out there. I know the Braves have had past interest in Michael Taylor, who's still a free agent. But do you think that also is a need for this team, adding that right-handed, probably veteran um, um, outfielder that can play a bit of center and left and maybe even be a platoon partner for a bit of time with Jared Kellenick? Do, do you think that that's something that the Braves will address as the offseason goes along?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that's... I don't, I'm not going to say it's next on the list because obviously the Braves have to figure out you know, the rotation, you know, we think. We don't actually know the Braves are going to sign somebody, but, you know, I in my opinion, they should sign somebody. But, yeah, if they don't – or even if they do add a starter, you know, one thing they definitely need to, to find is is an outfielder of of some regard that hits right-handed. Like you said, Adam Duvall, Kevin Pillar is still out there. There's a – I mean, you know, one good thing about outfielders is that you never run out. There's a million of them. And, you know, especially when you're talking about the weaker side of a platoon, you know, right-handed – outfielders are always the weaker side of the platoon because there's just fewer left-handed starting pitchers in baseball than there is right-handed starting pitchers so you know whoever you get in that role is always going to play less than the you know the left-handed uh, guy that I think last year I think I looked this up uh Rosario played like 72% of the time and Pilar played you know 28% of the time so that's typically what you'll find is is the left the the left-hander will, will play about uh, it's usually about a three to one ratio in terms of playing time, but yeah, there's a bunch of guys out there. I mean, there's guys like, I think AJ Pollock is out there. I think, uh, just, I'm th- I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, I think Randall Gritchik is a free agent if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think Kevin Kiermaier just signed a deal. Um, there's a bunch, like you said, Adam Duvall is out there, um, I think Tommy Pham is still out there, if I'm not mistaken. Again, I'm, I'm doing this off memory, but I think yeah. Tommy Pham is still out there. So there's, there's a bunch of guys who you could fight, you you know, you could fill a role with if, if you need to. And I do think the Braves – I agree with you. I think the Braves need to go try to find somebody that can at least be the weaker side of a platoon if, if you know, when Kellnick needs a break against a tough lefty.
0: So next question, and this you may consider this a far off scenario, and if you don't want to waste time on it, that's perfectly fine. But last off season, the big move that the Braves made was the unexpected move, in which they already had one of the best catcher combinations in the league in Travis Darnold and William Contreras, but they moved Contreras to get off to get a guy that they wanted in Sean Murphy. And Alex Anthopoulos talked about it earlier this year. The Braves focus on getting their guys rather than you know filling needs on a roster, what have you. My thought is, is that if the Brewers are looking to move off Corbin Burns and, and he's moved off, there's one other guy who's got one year left before free agency, and that's Willie Adonis. Now, I'm not sure if there's ever been confirmation the Braves have had, had interest in him, but he's been a sensible option. Could you see, and, and Orlando RC as cheap as he signed over the next two years, going into a bench role after this, I don't think it's very likely. But if Adonis is available, could we see a similar setup? where the Braves could potentially, in an unexpected fashion, go try to get Domus. and then his, his agency, which is, I believe, CAA, they're a bit more open to extensions. Could you see that, once again, being an avenue the Braves take this year like they did last year? Maybe far-fetched, but it could make sense because we've seen it done before.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, technically speaking, the Braves don't have a long-term answer at shortstop. I mean, it's the one position where – you know, other than left field, obviously we have to see how Kelnick looks. But other than left field, shortstop is the one position where the Braves aren't locked up for five plus years. So, absolutely, I mean, they've shown before that they if they think they can get a guy, he'll fill a role. You know, that would obviously push our you know push Garcia to more of a bench roll. That would improve depth. Um, I like that idea a lot, and I, I think the Braves could do it. You know, the the Brewers are. The, the Brewers are fascinating because they, they they are they are a team very much on the uh, they are on the brink of, of of a pretty crucial you know decision to make because you know Corbin Burns is about to be a free agent Willie Adams is about to be a free agent uh, Brandon Woodruff is about to be a free agent uh, you know they they had a lot of guys come up at the same time. It have been the core of this run they've had for the last few years. Well, now all of those guys are, are about to reach free agency. They haven't been able to lock any of them up except for, um, except for Christian Yelich. So, you know, what do they do? And obviously the the logical thing is they're going to trade all these guys and probably start some sort of rebuild. That's at least, you know, the the, the general line of thinking, but, you know, the flip side of that is the, the NL Central is among the weakest divisions of baseball, if not the weakest. You know, the two Central divisions are probably the two weakest. And there's not really a team that's jumped up and just like, yeah, this is our division now. The Cardinals, you would normally think are there, but the Cardinals just had one of the worst seasons of baseball. You know, are the Reds all, all that serious about it? They don't spend any money. You know, can they fix their holes? Um, you know, you got the Cubs who are wishy-washy about stuff. You know, the Cubs have really had a really quiet offseason so far. So, like, who's going to win that division next year? You know, and if you're Milwaukee, you might say, well, you know, we can hold on to all these guys and make one more run at it. Um, Or maybe, you know, we get lucky and we can sign somebody. So I don't know what they're going to do. It's a fascinating question because Milwaukee holds a lot of the cards depending on what they do, you know, the rest of the winter and obviously going into the, you know, in the season and the trade deadline.
0: I'll be honest with you, I don't know how excited I would be. I don't know if I could put it into words if we get that tweet from the Braves where they had acquired Freddie Peralta and Willie Adamas. Now, I don't know I'm not <laughs> sure the Braves would be willing to pay that price, but woo. That'd be a lot of fun. Here was what, uh, what,
1: what
0: is a what is Peralta's contract? I don't even know. Is he it's he, he a I believe that he has two more club options after this year. And I think that oh. his, the total out is like three years. And you can I think he makes less than 10 million potentially on each. Okay. Team. So he's 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 got a lot of team control. Yeah. So I don't I don't think he's going anywhere, but whoop. We would certainly love it. Here was Stephen Tolbert from the podcast to be named later and fellow uh, member of Battery Power Podcast finishing up this edition of the Daily Hammer. So a fun hypothetical here, Stephen, as we're wrapping up this edition of the Daily Hammer. You talked about the fact, and it was a great point, that Matt Olson would actually be a free agent right now if he had not signed the extension with Atlanta. And my goodness, (laughs) he definitely would be, I'm sure that he's happy that he signed his contract with Atlanta. You can tell from the way he performed last year. But coming off his year where he hit 54 home runs, just an incredible offensive output season. My question to you hypothetically is this. Matt Olson signed for an 8-year, $168 million extension with the Braves before the 2022 season. If Matt Olson was entering free agent right now, would he clear 10 years and 250 million as a first baseman free agent?
1: That's a good question. So, let's start at the beginning. So, Matt Olson is a first baseman obviously and they get paid less than their other brethren typically, you know, the easy comp that you could pull is what Freddie Freeman just signed for in free agency because he just went through this. Um he signed for I think he signed for like six one sixty or something, but it had a lot of deferrals in it. Um, yeah, six
0: six one sixty five, I believe, was Freddie's.
1: Yeah. Now the thing is Freddie was like four or five years older than that. Yeah. So that matter that matters quite a bit. So yeah. And the other thing that matters quite a bit is that, again, if we're talking hypothetically, and this was, and he was a free agent right now. Well, Matt just came off a of a seven win, one hundred and sixty WRC plus season, where he was, you know, a top five MVP player. He's one of the best players of baseball, one of the best hitters in baseball. So, you know, you look at his projections next year. He's got a one forty five projection for next year in terms of WRC plus. He's projected as a five win player. I mean, these are monster numbers. I mean, this, you know, this is top 10 player in baseball numbers. So, you know, what is he, 29? Um, Yeah, I think next year is his age 30 season. Yeah, I mean, it would be close. You know, what if he wasn't a first baseman, I would say definitely for sure. He would top, you know, he would get probably 250. As a first baseman, my guess is he'd probably get like 10, maybe not 10, maybe like eight. 8-200, something like that, maybe 8-220. You know, it only takes, when you're talking about free agency, it only takes one team to to get crazy. You know, guys always get overpaid in free agency because obviously you have to compete on the open market. So, yeah, like 8-220, 230 something like that wouldn't shock me. And all. He definitely, the Braves definitely saved a ton of money by signing him to that extension. There's no doubt about that because the season he just had, if this was his walk year, he would be gone. The Braves would not be you know, they would, they couldn't afford to resign him. So that extension was clutch as, as big as that trade was to get him, you know, with two years of, of team control left. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Those two years go by really quick. <laughs> you know, if you trade for a guy like Dylan Cease and you don't get an extension done, those two years go by quick and, you know, then you're out of luck. Then, you know, the guy, especially if the guy performs well, you know, he, he's kind of priced himself out of your range. So, um yeah that extension was massive and 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 that's what you got to be you know that's what the braves like to do they like to trade them and then trade for them and then extend them and that's relevant to the conversation we were having earlier about you know starting pitching and and what they're looking to do
0: so then and and i think it's a great it's a very fun hypothetical so Um, and then steven the last question i'll ask you is this the biggest underlying storyline from 2023. And I use underline in this, you know, context. I think the three biggest storylines for the Braves from 2023, Ronald Acuna Jr. finally reaching that level that all of us thought he had in him with the historic season that he had. That's the biggest positive. Obviously, the Braves, whole lineup breaking out having an historic offensive season. That's another really positive storyline. And the biggest negative is, you know, the fact that it's been two straight years where the Braves have have missed the playoffs. Take those three obvious answers off the table. What to you is a storyline from 2023 that maybe is not talked about to the level of those three things, but, you know, really stood out to you about the 2023 season and obviously is going to impact the future? Um. That's a good question. I think the first two things that jumped
1: to my head are, I think Austin Riley becoming a a top twenty player in baseball. You know, Austin signed that. Austin signed the biggest contract in the history of the franchise. People don't remember that because of you know what the the kind of years that uh, that Olson and Acuna just had. But you know, Austin Riley signed the biggest contract in franchise history. And you know, he's just very, very solidly, very slowly, consistently just turned himself into a star. I mean, uh, you know, four or five one player every year. And you know, I, his I defense mean, I, rate, I,
0: I don't mean to interrupt you, three top seven you NO know, MVP finishes. It, it, it just backs your point as, as validly as possible, yeah, Absolutely. like that. Like
1: he's reached. And I wasn't always the, as high on on Riley as other people. I thought he had a long way to go, especially with the swing and miss stuff. And, you know, he's really cleaned that up. He cleaned up his defense a lot last year, like a ton. He, he really got himself to basically a, a league neutral defender. You know, he's never going to be a plus defender, but, you know, he got to the point last year where he was at least neutral. He wasn't hurting his value with his defense, and that's massive. Um, you know, I think if you if you take away Acuna, if you take away Olson you know, I think Riley is up there. I think Michael Harris is up there. Michael Harris had a really, really good sophomore season Um, and a lot of really good positive indicators going forward. Spencer Strider would be another one, obviously with all the questions in the rotation, you know, Spencer Strider's breakout into a top of the rotation pitcher is, is, is massive for this team, especially now with all this uncertainty going forward in the rotation. So, yeah, pick any of those. I mean, honestly, any I, I, you can make an argument for any of those. You know, if you take away Acuna, if you take away Olsen, in terms of what's the biggest story, you know, I'd probably start with Riley, Harris, and Strider um, because those three guys are really – how well they've played and where they put themselves is a massive deal for the Braves and really gives the Braves a ton of flexibility in a lot of positions because of how good those guys have been and how much team control those, those guys all have because of the extensions that have been signed. So, yeah, if you take away the obvious ones, then that's where I go next.
0: Yeah, and and one of the you now I had you know five that I was going to speak on, and we've hit uh, uh, you know the nail on the head on several of them. The one I was going to bring up was the sustainability of Strider and Michael Harris. And listen, the you know if you want to say Michael Harris may not have been impressive this year as he was his rookie year, well that's fine. But the underlying metrics, so the performance metrics of what's expected from how he's playing they were right there in terms of being elite last year as they were his rookie year so the sustainability of strider t- turning into a top 10 maybe even top 5 commodity in baseball pitching wise and michael harris the second being one of the you know best young outfielders there the sustainability of the, that those same truths being there about them their sophomore year as was their rookie year, that's a big takeaway for me. You know, the trades that uh, that um, uh, Alex Anthopoulos has made, proving to be long-term you know, values, benefits. Uh, Sean Murphy and Matt Olson being long-term, you know, boons to the lineup, and then shoring up the bullpen with the trades for Pierce Johnson and Joe Jimenez last year and getting them on extensions, I think that was great. And then if there's a concerning one, it's obviously you know, the fact, you know, what are the Braves going to do if they do lose Freed and, and uh, Morton after the 2024 year, but The whole purpose here, Stephen, there's a lot to be positive about, and I know that once again, other teams are winning the offseason, but this is the whole point of speaking of the track record that Alex Anthopoulos has put together. You don't make the moves that you made in order to win the offseason. You do it to put yourself in a position to win the World Series year in and year out, and even though the last two years have not worked out the biggest storyline to me of anything is that it's hard to argue there's a team who's more in line to year in and year out over the next five plus years to be in that World Series contention than the Braves. And you can say that hopefully for 2024, 2025, when we get there, you know, in this part of those years, that truth will just keep on happening. So it's a a good position to be in.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the objective, you know, objective projections, um, you know, zips, steamer, you know, there's not a team in baseball better set up for the future than the Braves. I mean, they have as much long-term certainty as any team in baseball, and they have as much long-term certainty as probably any two or three teams in baseball. Um, What Alex has been able to do on this roster has just been incredible. And I know when your season ends, back-to-back years in in the division series and you don't play well, you know, people panic. But, you know, its I know people don't want to hear this, but when you're talking about the postseason, like, you're talking about four games. You're talking about a bad four games. And you can have a bad four games at any point in the year. The best team in the history of baseball can have bad four games. And there's just not a lot you can do to protect yourself against that kind of randomness. And it's a really unreliable way to look at a roster is to just look at the postseason success. You have to look at more than that. You have to look at, you know, you have to look at regular season numbers. You have to look at roster. You have to look at contracts. You have to look at, you know, the long term. You have to zoom out quite a bit. To look at in terms of overall organizational health, and if you do all that, there's not a team in baseball better set up than the Braves. And you know, I don't care what happens in the postseason. There's no amount of postseason randomness that's going to change that. The Braves are as set up as any team in baseball. And you know, I don't expect fans to always understand or recognize that, but it does need to be said on repeat as many times as possible. The Braves are as set up as set up as well as any team in in the sport, and are for the next decade. So, you know that's, that's an important thing to, to keep saying.
0: Absolutely. And, and it's been, it's been awesome. Well, you know, Steven, th- this is why I love these podcasts. Just, just, you know, a few folks who just love the Braves being able to talk, you know, many different subjects. It's, it's, it's always uh, an honor to be able to talk Braves baseball with you. Do you have anything else before we wrap up uh, this edition of the daily hammer and uh, just any more thoughts as uh, we uh, get into, you know, looking at the new year, you know, the next time we may podcast.
1: Nope. I just want to tell everybody, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Obviously, uh, the site, you know, we we all took a little bit of a break for about a week to to enjoy family time, but the site marches on into the new year, and and we'll have podcasts, and we'll have content on the site. You know, Chris has got the site up and rolling again. Brad's got the podcast network up and rolling again. So, you know, we all took a little break for the holidays, but, you know, now that the new year is back and and baseball, you can start to – You know, if you squint, you can start to smell spring. You can start to, you know, just at the horizon, you can start to see maybe February coming, beginning of spring training. It's not that far away. It's only going to be about four or five more weeks before we start getting spring training conversations. And, you know, uh, Battery Power will be there to cover it all uh, on the site and on the podcast network. But we appreciate everybody and and hope everybody
0: had a Merry Christmas. Absolutely, and before we get to that, you know, we've still got you know some some more th- exciting things to look forward to. You know, potentially what do the Braves do with their you know remaining moves that could be out there? The Hall of Fame voting, you know, as of right now, Andrew Jones standing at sixty five percent through about you know twelve and a half percent of the vote being known, needing seventy five percent some more Braves in that. You've got the international signing period coming up. The Braves are, I believe, in line to sign a few of the top. Um, prospects in this international free agent period. So every other week, at the very least, there should be things going on. And before you know it, we'll be at spring training. But for Stephen Tolbert at B underscore Outliers, my name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Until next time, go Braves. We'll talk to you again here soon on the Battery Power Podcast Network.